So let's start our Dhamma talk with the Namutasa. Namutasa Bhagavato Arahato Sammasambuddhasa Namutasa Bhagavato Arahato Sammasambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhasa So today it's Anzac Day and this morning I said that meditators can be compared to spiritual warriors, warriors, soldiers engaging uh, in fighting with the defilements, with the kilesas. So the battlefield is the mind and the enemies are the manifold kilesas, defilements. So tonight I'm going to talk about these kilesas or defilements. First of all, let me ask you a question. Why should we engage in vipassana meditation practice? Or why are you here to practice vipassana meditation? Although the instructions for practicing vipassana meditation are quite easy and straightforward, but actually to engage in this practice is not so easy. And so those who finally come and practice, those who engage in Vipassana meditation, there is either some understanding of this practice or maybe they got some encouragement from somebody else or They were facing a life crisis and were looking for some answers. Or simply uh, there was some nagging dissatisfaction with life. Those who have no incentive, no understanding or other reason to uh, engage in this practice They they see this practice or this work as something quite useless or meaningless or they think at the best it's a waste of time. Well, at least uh, people in the West may have this understanding. (coughs) In Burma, many people actually understand the value of meditation and if one tells them that one is practicing meditation or if they see one in the meditation center, then they are actually very happy and delight in the fact that one is uh, engaging in this practice. In my early years in Burma, I had been there for a couple of years without leaving the country and then my parents came to visit me in Burma to see where I was, what I was doing, to see me as a nun. (laughs) And um, so then we hired a car and drove around in the country to see the famous pagodas and temples. And whenever we went to see a pagoda, which was every day, Um, me as a Western nun, I was outstanding. Burmese people at the pagoda, of course, they immediately spotted me, also being one head taller than everybody else. And Burmese people, very open, very friendly. They would come up uh, to me and with hands in Anjali, uh, pay respect to me some even bowing down on the ground, and then saying, 
uh, that they were so delighted to see me here in this country as a nun. And then I would tell them that I was staying at the Chamiyeta Meditation Center in Yangon. And then again, ah, oh, so good, so good that you're practicing meditation. It's really the best thing that you can do with your life. And, you know, for my parents, it was a bit strange to see me shaved head, pink clothes. And they did not really understand Buddhism or meditation practice, although I explained a little bit. But then, um, you know, Burmese people first coming to me and uh, expressing their delight. Then I would tell them, well, and these are my parents, my mother and my father. And with that, they would turn over to my parents and say, oh, your parents, you are the luckiest parents in the world because your daughter is a nun and she's practicing meditation. You know, you couldn't wish for anything better for her. And so for about a month, uh, almost daily, my parents heard such comments. And somehow this helped to uh, to make them understand that what I was doing was really something very respected, something that was really considered to be good or uh, the best thing that one could do with one's life. And so after this month, yes, they had kind of a better understanding what I was doing, um, why I was doing it, and somehow getting the sense that it must be something good, probably not really understanding the deeper uh, meaning of it, but at least. So they came to a full acceptance uh, of what I was doing. So for people who do not have an idea what this Vipassana meditation practice is all about, especially people in the West who have never heard about it or maybe just very slight idea knowing that these people go off, keep silence, walk around slowly, sit around all day. (laughs) So for these people, uh, somehow it doesn't make sense what one could get out of this practice because, you know, just uh, sitting there and one is not allowed to do as one wishes, one is not supposed to uh, go and walk around in the surroundings, one is not supposed to go quickly from one place to another, one has to eat what is offered at the center, one cannot have some snack in the afternoon or evening, Uh, one cannot watch TV, one cannot listen to the news, one is not supposed to go on internet, and so on. So, you know, for people who seek immediate sense gratification or the gratification of the uh, sense pleasures, well, (laughs) this practice doesn't seem to offer anything, doesn't seem to get, uh, that one can get immediate Uh, gratification for the pleasure of the senses. And so people do not see the point why one should engage in this practice. Somehow it makes no sense and it even seems to be a bit weird. So again the question then, why should one engage in something that seems to make no sense, that seems to be a bit weird and seems to be just a waste of time. The answer is that this is actually a practice that needs to be done. Or this is a kind of practice or work that cannot be left undone. And why this is so, we will see a bit later. In one way, we can define the practice of Vipassana meditation 
as the practice which aims at abandoning the defilements, the kilesas. Kilesas are those states which defile the mind or which soil the mind, which make the mind impure. They are also called afflictive mental states. They uh, afflict the mind in various ways. In Burma, listening to Burmese Dhamma talks, very often uh, when the Saitos talk about the Kilesas, they say that there are 1,500 Kilesas, although I've never seen a list of these 1,500 Kilesas. And in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, they even speak of 84,000 afflictive mental states. Whether it's 1,500 or 84,000, anyway, there are many kilesas, many defilements. And we can uh, divide these kilesas into three groups, or we can discern three types of kilesas. The first group is, are the defilements manifested as physical actions. In Pali, this is called kaya, kama, kilesa. Kaya means body, kama is action, kilesa is defilement. So defilements that manifest as bodily actions. Then the second group are defilements manifested as verbal actions. And that's called vachi kama kilesa. Those kilesas that manifest as verbal actions or speech. And the third group are the defilements that manifest as mental actions. And they are called mano kama kilesa. Those kilesas that manifest as mental actions, mental activities, kilesas arising uh, in the mind. So the first group of kilesas, those manifesting as bodily actions, the kaya kama kilesas, they refer to those actions uh, of the body, such as killing, killing living beings, then taking what is not given, or stealing, and uh, sexual misconduct. Then those kilesas that manifest as verbal actions or as speech, the vachi kama kilesas, these are uh, the following kinds of speech, like telling lies, telling what is not true, then slandering, crushing the harmony between people, then harsh and uh, rough speech, and lastly, frivolous speech, gossip. And in the third group, those kilesas that manifest in the mind as thoughts, the manokama kilesas. So these are thoughts of um, wanting to harm somebody else, torturing or killing other beings, thoughts of wanting things from others, covetousness, trying to figure out how one could get something that belongs to another, and all kinds of uh, thoughts related to wrong view. 
So these are the key lasers, how they can manifest on these three levels, either in the mind or then manifest as speech or manifest as bodily actions. And these kilesas, they can be compared to a poisonous tree. So if there is a poisonous tree, then also its branches, its leaves are poisonous. And so if people eat the fruit or the leaves uh, from this poisonous tree, then they will surely suffer, feeling miserable. Um, as a result. So if one wants to escape from the suffering uh, by uh, eating fruits or leaves from this tree, then um, one has to get rid of this tree or one has to cut down this tree. And when cutting down a tree, if it's done by hand, like in Burma, in our uh, forest meditation centers, at one stage they had to cut down quite uh, large trees. And so then men were climbing up on the tree and first of all cut off branches. going out of the branches as far as they could and cutting them off and going uh, closer to the trunk and uh, cutting off more branches. And then finally the trunk of the tree was also cut down in stages until um, the whole trunk of the tree was cut. And then it was level with the earth. So the tree was no longer there. But cutting the, tra- cutting the tree down in this way, the roots are still left in the ground. And if the roots are left in the ground, then when there is enough rain and uh, sunshine, then actually uh, from the roots uh, it can sprout again. And so if one wants to really uh, cut down or destroy this tree, then one has also to dig out the roots. If one thinks, oh well, the roots, they are underground and uh, they are no longer visible, and if one leaves them in there, then with the right conditions, circumstances, uh, these roots can start to sprout again. And subsequently, a tree can start to grow again and producing again uh, leaves and fruits. And so then, if one eats from this tree the fruits or the leaves, um, one will surely suffer again. So the kilesas, the defilements, are very much like this poisonous tree. And repeatedly eating the fruits from this poisonous kilesa tree, um, beings are afflicted with mental suffering. They are afflicted with physical suffering. Because of repeatedly eating these poisonous uh, kilesa fruits, people are overcome with sorrows, with worry, with grief, with frustration. And repeatedly uh, taking these poisonous uh, fruit kilesas in the round of samsara, people are repeatedly aging. They are getting sick and they are dying. 
So, in the same way as we need to completely cut the tree and dug out, dig out its roots, so if we do not want to suffer any longer from the kilesas, then we have to completely destroy all the kilesas, completely abandon them. And if we want to completely destroy the roots of these kilesas, the Kayakama kilesas, Vajikama kilesas, and Manakama kilesas, then we have to engage in the practice of Vipassana meditation. <coughs> Apart from these three levels of kilesas, there is another one, there's another layer, and these kilesas are the so-called Anusaya kilesas. They are also called latent defilements, because these Anusaya kilesas, they dwell in the continuum of mind of living beings. They are there in the mind as latent potentialities. They are in a state of dormancy, but they can arise at any time when an object hits one of the six sense doors. So then from their state of dormancy or, or latency, they flare up and uh, manifest as a defilement either in the mind, as speech, or as a bodily action. So for example, imagine you have some free time, you sit down and read a book, and reading your book, the mind is quite calm, peaceful, there is no... Uh, anger in your mind, the defilement of anger is absent, it's not there. But then, as you sit there, all of a sudden the, the bell at the door rings. And maybe the first thought is, oh no, I don't want any visitors to come. So, it's aversion coming up. And so, hearing the sound of the doorbell, this was enough for the defilement of aversion to arise. So, because this uh, latent uh, potentiality of anger was there in the mind, it could come up into a state of manifestation with hearing that sound. So, we have these four kinds of kilesas, defilements. The kayakama kilesas, those manifested as bodily actions, they can be compared to the flowers and leaves of a tree. The vajikama kilesas, those that manifest as verbal actions or speech, they can be compared to the branches of the tree. Then the Manukama kilesas, the kilesas manifesting as thoughts in the mind, they can be compared to the trunk of the tree. And lastly, these Anusaya kilesas, the latent defilements, they are compared with the roots of the tree. So when we engage in the practice of Vipassana meditation, then we have to be mindfully aware of what is happening in our body. And we have to be mindfully aware of what is arising in our mind. So we have to be aware of whatever we see or hear 
or smell or taste or touch or think. And basically, when we engage in vipassana meditation, we have to be mindfully observing what is arising in body and mind during all our waking hours, which means basically from the moment we wake up until the moment we fall asleep. And for a meditator who is mindfully observing the processes happening in body and mind, then with each moment of mindfulness the Noble Eightfold Path is contained in each moment of awareness. And how this actually uh, happens, I will explain you uh, in another talk. So the Noble Eightfold Path is divided into three groups. There are some factors pertaining to morality, some factors pertain uh, to concentration, and some factors pertain to wisdom. And so these groups are also considered as trainings. So there is the training in morality. This is called sila sika. Sika means training, sila, morality. Then there is the training in concentration. This is samadhi sika. And then there is the training in wisdom, understanding, insight. And this is called panya sika. And all these three kinds of training have the power or ability to abandon certain defilements. So, which training can abandon which defilements? The training in morality, or sila sika, can abandon the kaya-kama kilesas, and the vaji kama kilesas. So the training in morality can abandon the defilements that manifest as either bodily actions or speech. So by keeping the precepts, then one refrains from killing, killing living beings, one refrains from taking what is not given or stealing and one refrains from sexual misconduct. And so, as a consequence, by abstaining from these bodily actions, then the kaya kamakilesas do no longer arise. And keeping the precept, we also refrain from uh, wrong speech which includes not telling lies, not slandering, uh, no harsh or rude speech, and no frivolous talk. And so, as a consequence, then the vachikama kilesas are abandoned, those kilesas that manifest as verbal actions are abandoned by that. then the training in concentration, samadhi sika, has the ability to abandon the manokama kilesas, those kilesas that manifest in the mind as thoughts. So samadhi sika refers uh, to the training of concentration and Uh, one way to uh, attain concentration is practicing samatha meditation, concentration meditation. There are different objects which can be taken as the object for samatha meditation. Uh, Metta, for example, uh, belongs to this category. 
or the reflection on the attributes of the Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha or the reflection on death and so on. And so if one engages in any of these practices then through the power of deep concentration the mind is firmly concentrated or absorbed into our object of meditation and with that the manokamakilesas, the defilements in the mind, can no longer arise. As for the uh, anusayakilesas, these latent defilements, we have said that these anusayakilesas are compared to the roots of the tree. And because the roots of a tree are usually hidden in the ground, one cannot see them. And so, likewise, these anusayakilesas, the latent defilements, are not visible to the ordinary eye. And they are also out of reach for our thoughts or for uh, uh, our uh, analyzing or speculating thoughts. So these latent defilements cannot uh, really be understood by simply uh, thinking about them. But it's actually these anusayaki lesans, these latent defilements, which are the causes for the other types of kilesas to arise. And so, to know and understand what these anusaya kilesas are is very important. It's because of these latent defilements that the other types um, of defilements arise like defilements manifesting as bodily actions, as speech, or simply as thoughts in the mind. Many people, they even don't know that these latent defilements uh, do exist. And not knowing that they exist, uh, they don't make an effort uh, to abandon them. So in order to abandon or destroy these anusaya kilesas, we have to practice vipassana meditation. There is no other way to do it. Sila Sikha, the training in morality, and Samadhi Sikha, the training in concentration, cannot abandon these uh, Anusaya Kilesas. They cannot uproot them. The only way to completely abandon or uproot these latent defilements is through the practice of Panyasika, the training in wisdom. And Panyasika can be further divided into um, two levels. The first is what we call vipassana panya, that's the insights and understanding that arise through the uh, vipassana meditation practice. This refers to the different stages of insight knowledge, the mundane understanding of phenomena as they are, and the other level is Maga Panya. Maga refers to path knowledge. And so that understanding that comes about through path knowledge, Maganyana, at the moment uh, of enlightenment, that is supramundane understanding. And it's with this Maga Panya that one is able to completely 
are brought uh, certain defilements. Like there are four stages of enlightenment and each stage of enlightenment uproots and weakens uh, certain defilements until at the fourth level or fourth stage of enlightenment all the remaining defilements have been completely uprooted. So with Vipassana Panya, the insights and understanding that we gain through Vipassana meditation practice, we cannot completely uproot these latent defilements, but we can weaken them and we can temporarily abandon them. Makapanya, this understanding that comes through uh, past knowledge, this is not something that we can develop or practice in the same way as we can practice or develop uh, Vipassana meditation. When one is practicing Vipassana meditation, as we are doing here, and when Vipassana uh, insights become mature, then Makapanya, path knowledge, uh, will arise as a result or a fruit of this practice. And this happens naturally. We cannot force it. We cannot make it happen. When the insights, insight knowledges are mature, deep enough, then Maka will happen uh, on its own course. It's like, you know, if we stand under an apple tree and look up at an apple on the tree and would like to eat it, and so you would like this apple to fall down, you know, as much as you want it to fall down, as many prayer as you recite for this apple to right now fall down because now you want it, it won't happen. The apple will fall down from the tree when it's right, when its conditions are right. So now that you are engaging in the practice of Vipassana meditation, you are observing phenomena as they arise in the body and in the mind. And with each moment of mindfulness, of being aware of any given object, then these three trainings of morality concentration and wisdom are uh, included in that very moment of mindfulness. And so, as a result of that, the Kaya Kamakilesas, Vaji Kamakilesas and Manu Kamakilesas do not arise uh, in the mind of that Vipassana meditation at that very moment. And even the latent defilements, the Anusaya Kilesas, at that moment of strong and powerful mindfulness, of just knowing the object uh, as it is, even these Anusaya Kilesas are uh, just in a state of dormancy in the mind. They do not uh, flare up. So for example, you are sitting here in the meditation hall, practicing sitting meditation, being very mindful, having uh, continuous mindfulness from moment to moment, being aware of the object that you are uh, presently observing. And then somebody 
uh, opens the door very noisily and comes in making a lot of noise. So, being very mindful, um, you are not jumping up and punching the person into the face. So that means no kaya kamakilesa, no kilesa manifesting as a physical act. And you're also not uh, loudly cursing this uh, noisy person. So no wachikamakilesa, so no kilesa, no defilement manifesting as speech. And because you're mindful, you also do not engage in any thoughts around this noisy person. So that means no mana, manukamakilesa, no defilement manifesting as a thought. And because you're so mindful and you're simply noting this noise as hearing, 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 so then there is no reaction uh, to this noise. And so even the anusaya kilesa does not flare up. So while being engaged in the practice of vipassana meditation, when mindfulness is strong, powerful and continuous, then one is actually able to temporarily abandon the kilesas. So as I said, vipassana panya has the power to weaken the defilements and even temporarily abandon them. And when vipassana panya becomes mature, then it will turn into makapanya. And makapanya, the path knowledge, uh, has the power then to completely uproot or extinguish uh, certain defilements. And so, if we want to overcome all of our defilements, that's why we have to engage in the practice of vipassana meditation. So, it's a practice that we have to do. It's not something that we can leave aside. Because it's only through this practice of vipassana meditation that one is able to abandon these latent defilements through the training in wisdom or panyasika. As long as these latent defilements are not completely uprooted or destroyed, then these latent defilements can arise again when causes or conditions are right. They are like a mango seed. You know, if you have a mango seed and put it into a dark room on the concrete floor, then not much will happen with that mango seed. So it seems like this mango seed is dead. But if you take it out and put it into fertile ground, water it, there is enough sunshine or warmth, then it won't take long and this mango seed will start to sprout and the mango tree uh, will grow. So likewise with these uh, anusaya kilesas, the latent defilements, if they don't if there is no object that enters through the six sense doors which could give rise to uh, defilements, then no defilements arise. But as soon as a suitable object hits one of the sense doors, then in no time these 
uh, latent defilement uh, flares up, arises and manifests as a defilement. Some people think that if only they live an ethical life, keep their morality pure, um, they can become free uh, of the defilements and so that they can become free from all kinds of suffering. Other people think that maybe they need to uh, train their mind uh, in concentration and with concentration they can abandon their defilements. But this is also a wrong assumption. Only with training in concentration one can temporarily suppress the defilements but one cannot completely uproot them. So those who are able to attain deep states of concentration like the jhanas and based on that uh, develop the abhinyas, the supernormal powers, they can be freed from defilements at least temporarily. So I want to tell you the story of the hermit Mudulakana. And actually, Mudulakana is the name of the queen. And how the hermit got this name, Hermit Mudulakana, you will uh, come to understand. So, a long, long time ago, there lived this hermit uh, called Mudulakana. And this hermit was actually the Bodhisattva, so the future Buddha. His perfections were already quite highly developed. And so in that life he was actually the son of a very uh, wealthy family, but he gave up all his wealth and luxury and became a hermit. And so after he had uh, given up uh, all his wealth and luxury, he I went to a place in a forest at the foot of the Himalayas and lived there as a hermit. And it didn't take him long to attain the jhanas and develop the supernormal powers. And he lived on the fruits and roots that he could find in the forest. At one time during the rainy season, there was a lot of rain where he was living and so because it was too wet, too much rain, he left the place and went down into the plain to look for a drier place, more suitable place. And when he came near the town, um, he uh, saw the royal garden and so he entered this royal garden to take some rest there. And when the king uh, went <coughs> into the royal garden, he saw this hermit uh, there. And uh, the king had a lot of respect for this hermit. And so he paid respect to him. And uh, he invited him to have his meals uh, at the palace. So he told this hermit, that for arms round he should uh, come to the palace every day and that he, the king, would offer him uh, good food. And so then the next day the hermit um, went to the palace for arms round and he didn't walk there but he used his supernormal powers and flew 
to the palace. And there the king offered him the meal. He ate it, and when he had finished the meal, he went back to the royal garden again, flying uh, back by his power of the jhanas. And so every day, then the hermit went to the palace to have his meal there, and the king made sure that uh, he offered him very good and delicious food. One day, the king had to go to the border of the kingdom to subdue some rebels there. And so before leaving uh, with his army, he told his queen, um, today I have to go to the border in order to subdue these rebels, so please make sure that every day you offer food to this hermit. So please take good care of him. And so with that, the king left for the border. And so from that day on, then the queen offered uh, food to the hermit. One day, the hermit was a bit late for his arms round because he was absorbed in jhana. And as usual, the queen had prepared the food and she was waiting for the hermit to come. And as he didn't come at the usual time, she was thinking, will he come or will he not come? And as she was waiting, she felt a bit tired and so she lay down on the bed to take a short rest. And then, after a little while, finally the hermit came. And when the queen realized that the hermit had arrived, she hurriedly got up from the bed. And jumping up from the bed, her longi or lower garment, sarong, um, got loose and slipped down a bit. And at least from Burma, I know that most people, they don't wear uh, underwear under their longis or sarong. And so, with the queen's uh, sarong, lower garment, getting loose and slipping down, uh, her private parts were exposed. And the hermit happened to see that. And as soon as um, he saw that, then defilements started to arise in his mind. And so with the arising of the defilements, he had a strong desire to get the queen. So these defilements uh, were very strong and the queen, as usual, offered him the food. But the defilements of longing uh, for the queen were so strong in the hermit's mind that he actually had no hunger. But just out of respect, he ate some of the food that was offered to him. And after finishing his meal, he left the royal palace to go back to the royal garden. But now, his mind uh, being uh, full of defilements, uh, he was no lo longer able to fly back. Uh, he was no longer able uh, to get absorbed in jhana. So, poor hermit had to walk back to the royal garden. <laughs> So this hermit had been uh, able to abandon the kilesas by means of Samadhi Sika and Sila Sika, by means of training in morality and concentration. And so through those trainings, the 
kilesas did no longer uh, arise in his mind. And because they were no longer arising in his mind, he thought that he had completely abandoned all uh, the kilesas. But as I said, the nature of these latent defilements is such that they just rest dormant in the mind as long as no suitable object is encountered. But that moment when the queen's uh, lower garment uh, slipped down a bit, then there was an object which immediately uh, made uh, these latent defilements to arise and manifest uh, in the hermit's mind as strong desire, thoughts of lust, longing for the queen. And so, when the hermit arrived back in the royal garden, there he went in, into his little hut and he wasn't interested uh, in anything anymore. So he didn't uh, go back to practice meditation, but he simply sat there in his hut being devoured by these defilements, craving to get the queen, longing, uh, thinking how he could get the queen. And the force of this defilement was so strong that he was convinced that he only could become happy uh, when he could be with, queen, with the queen. And he thought that if he would not be able to get her, he would actually die. So he thought if he only could get Queen Mudulakana, then his life would be perfect and complete. But of course, he did not uh, have the courage to tell Queen Hudulakana uh, what was happening to him, that uh, he wanted her so much. Then, on the following day, still overcome with his strong uh, defilements, he did not leave his little hut in the royal garden. He didn't go for arms round to the palace. And this happened for uh, three, four days. So, having all these thoughts, these defilements in his mind, he did not even feel hungry because he was full with uh, kilesas. Then, one day, the king came back from the border where he successfully uh, had substituted the rebels. And as he was nearing the palace, uh, walking past the royal garden, he thought that before going to the palace, he wanted to go and see the hermit in the royal garden, go and pay respect to him. So he went to the little hut, but to his surprise, he saw that the door and the window was shut. And so he called, Hermit, Hermit. And uh, when the Hermit finally opened the door, the king was very much surprised to see him in such a desperate state. So the Hermit had become very thin and haggard. His hair had grown and uh, his skin was no longer shining and radiant as it was before, but it looked very dry. And so the king asked, Hermit, what has happened to you? Are you not feeling well? What's wrong with you? Didn't you get enough food? Or 
was the food not good enough? And so the hermit replied, well, I have not been eating for about five or six days. And so when the king asked, well, how is your health? Then the hermit replied, well, my body is healthy, but my mind is not healthy. Although the king asked him about the cause uh, for his troubles, the hermit did not dare to answer. But the king, being a very good-hearted and compassionate king, said, encouraged him, said, please tell me, you know, if you dare not tell uh, anybody else, then who else would there, would there be? Uh, to talk to. You know, I, the king, I am able to help solve all your problems. Please tell me, why are you so much afflicted with so much uh, mental suffering? And so finally, the hermit opened his heart and told the king that his mind was overcome with longing for Queen Mudulakana. And so the king, having compassion for the hermit's suffering, he said, My dear hermit, you have so much suffering on account of this desire for the queen. Please come with me. And so the king took the hermit to the palace and there he offered him Queen Mudulakana. And as soon as the hermit heard that now the queen was uh, his, his face lightened up and he became very happy immediately because finally he got what his heart was longing for. And so now he thought his life would be perfect, his life would be complete. And so, taking Queen Mudulakana by her hand, they went back to the royal garden. And so, when they uh, got back there, then the queen asked the hermit, well, you have taken me to the garden, but where, sh where, where shall we live? And so then the hermit said, Oh yes, you're right. We need a place to live. Where can we live? And so the queen said, Well, go back to the king and ask him for a place to live. And so the hermit went back to the king and asked him for a place to live. And uh, the king was kind enough to give him a piece of land. And so the hermit went back to the queen and told him that now they had this piece of land where they could live. But then the queen said, well, I need a house to live in. And the hermit said, oh yes, you're right, we need a house. How can we get a house? The queen said, go back to the king and ask him for a house. And so the hermit went back to the king and asked him for a house. And so the king, being very kind and compassionate, gave him some wood, wood and bamboo poles, so that the hermit could build a house. And so the hermit returned with the building materials and said, well, now I can build a house. But then he realized he needed a hammer and some nails and pegs and again, queen sent him back to the king and finally when the house had been finished they went inside and now the queen said well now we have a place to live we even have a house to live in I'm hungry I need some food and then the hermit realized oh yes we need some food <laughs> and it was at that moment that finally, in the hermit's mind, 
who was the Bodhisattva, some mindfulness came back. And um, he thought to himself, initially, when I was uh, longing to get the queen, I thought that once I would get, once I would get Queen Udulekana, then my life would be perfect and complete. But now, on account of this desire uh, to get the queen, many more desires uh, have arisen and are still arising in my mind. The desire for a house, the desire for food, the desire for some clothes, and so on. And he realized that this would be without end to the end of their lives. So, in a way, we are all like the hermit. Whenever we are not alert and mindful, then the latent defilements, the anusaya, Kilesas uh, will flare up when coming in contact with a suitable object. And so therefore, in Vipassana meditation, we cannot afford to have gaps in our mindfulness, because with gaps in our mindfulness, then it is so easy for these latent defilements to arise and become manifest in our minds as thoughts or even as um, speech or uh, physical actions. So to have mindfulness continuous and unbroken throughout the day is of great importance in our practice of Vipassana meditation. And so uh, with this, you might now better understand why it's so important to have your mindfulness continuous and uninterrupted during all the waking hours. That is, uh, constantly being mindful in sitting meditation, in walking meditation, and also especially during the so-called daily activities. So with this, let's end this talk. May all of you be able to abandon all kinds of kilesas and become free from all kinds of suffering. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.